So here I am beginning to brace myself for a potential Biden presidency. I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to digest this, to process the fact Joe Biden may be. I'm not saying it's over yet, but Joe Biden may be. We have to just get used to this reality because it's not looking very good here. Biden may be the next president of the United States, and they may actually wake him up and tell him that he is. If he went now, listen, here's the thing. Joe Biden has pledged to reverse so many of the good things that Trump has done. But he cannot take away the judges that Trump has appointed. So there's a positive. Now, he can stack the Supreme Court, and that would be just horrifying. If Joe Biden does, in fact, win the election, uh, he intends to rejoin the horrific Iran nuclear deal that he and Obama created. He intends to rejoin the disastrous Paris Climate Accords, to rejoin the World Health Organization, that evil world corrupt WHO, repeal the Trump travel ban, and reinstate DACA. So essentially, as Breitbart News put it, if Joe Biden wins, prepare yourself for higher gas prices, Islamic terrorism, caravans of illegals, all of these things that Trump has solved. Trump figured out creative ways. He, re- Congress refused to help him. Democrats, even many Republicans, and Trump said, I'm going to figure this out on my own. And now how it's sad. It's sad to just watch all of that just vanish and evaporate. And uh, they're going to wake Biden up and say, here's what you're doing, because he, he, he's not even going to know he's doing half of these things. But I do think that if this happens, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be negative here, but we need the dose of reality. We can't wake up on like January 19th and say, what? You tell me Trump didn't win? So we got to prepare ourselves. And I do believe that Trump, the civilian, assuming that's what happens, will fight against Joe Biden, challenge this every step of the way, fight against the media. There are rumors that he's going to start Trump TV and that he's going to take uh, Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, perhaps Bill O'Reilly and others, because, of course, Fox News is is just a total sellout. Fox News, I mean, they are just so disingenuous and disgraceful. Incredible story out of Iran involving the Israelis and the Mossad. And apparently this happened in August, but it has not been confirmed until now that Mossad operatives assassinated like the number two man in Al-Qaeda. Remember Al-Qaeda, of course, Al-Qaeda was behind the 9-11 attacks. Can never forget that. Al-Qaeda was run by Osama bin Laden. And even before that, Al-Qaeda carried out horrific, very deadly attacks on U.S. embassies. Back in 1998, U.S. embassies in Africa. So the mastermind, one mastermind behind the 1998 attacks, second in command in Al-Qaeda, was assassinated by either Israeli agents or Iranian agents operating for the Mossad. This was reported by the New York Times. But despite the fact that it was reported by the New York Times, I actually believe this. Abdullah Ahmed Abdullah. He, he went by the alias Abu Muhammad al-Masri. He was shot in Tehran on August 7th in the streets, and his daughter was shot as well. His daughter, by the way, was the widow of Osama bin Laden's son, Hamza bin Laden. Uh, so the daughter was with the father at the time, Abdullah Abdullah, and apparently they were killed by Mossad operatives. According to a report by Israel's Channel 12 News, al-Masri had been planning attacks on Jewish and Israeli targets when he was killed. So this past August. So al-Qaeda is still apparently planning attacks in Iran, of all places, which is very strange. And we'll get to this in a moment because 
the Iranians are, 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 are Shiite and Al-Qaeda is Sunni and Iran claims that they don't actually support the Sunnis and they are considered bitter enemies and this is going to be evidence that, and many suspect that that is actually not true. Uh, the, the Channel 12 says that they were Mossad agents, which means Israelis who carried out this assassination. Israel's Channel 13 News says they were probably foreign agents that were working for Mossad, and it's unclear why he was living in Iran, because Iran, as I said, is Shiite, Al-Qaeda is Sunni, they're supposed to be bitter rivals, but some terrorism experts believe that Iran actually gives safe haven to Al-Qaeda officials, to members of Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda terrorists, and they claim, oh no, we don't support the Sunnis, but they just claim that because, you know, they don't want to, they want to stay protected, be, not be accused of harboring Al-Qaeda, but in fact, they actually do harbor Al-Qaeda because they both share a common, common enemy in the United States. And of course, Israel. Colin Clark is a counterterrorism analyst, and he said, he was quoted by the Times saying, quote, Iran uses sectarianism as a cudgel when it suits the regime, but it's willing to overlook the Sunni-Shia divide when it suits Iranian interests. Essentially, what they're saying is that, uh, yeah, Iran, they will go and claim they'll try to protect themselves. No, we don't support al-Qaeda. We don't support Sunni terrorists. But then we don't support, I guess, ISIS is another group of Sunni terrorists. But that's really not true. They'll, they'll, they'll be more than happy to support uh, all terrorists. And uh, this man was a founding leader of al-Qaeda. He was on al-Qaeda. He was on the FBI's most wanted terror list for decades. There was a $10 million offer for information that was related to... To his capture, he was responsible for the bombings of the U.S. embassies in Kenya and Tanzania, which left 224 people dead and hundreds of people injured. Meanwhile, the Iranians are now threatening. The Iranians are so thrilled if Biden ends up becoming the president and they're threatening their neighbors, their Arab Gulf neighbors, such as the Saudis and the UAE. They're essentially they're using mafia style tactics, Iran, as they often do. They're essentially saying Listen, your friend Trump, he's going down. You have two choices now. You can either join up with us or we will make you pay. We will make you suffer. So it's really a mafia tactic here. Basically, Iran, Iran, Iran's foreign minister, Javad Zarif, put out a tweet basically saying, listen, President Trump, he's your best friend, Saudis and UAE. He's going to be gone in a few months, and uh, the Iranian regime will still be going. And he says, "Don't, don't, don't, don't rely on outsiders to provide your security." Listen to this tweet, and it literally is mafioso. You know how the mafia—they'll go into like restaurants and establishments, they'll go into local businesses, and they'll say, "We'll protect you." They'll say, "Listen, there's a lot of danger, but we'll take care of you. We'll protect you. All you have to do is cough up." a few thousand dollars a month to us, and then we'll protect you so that nothing terrible happens to your establishment. And what they're really saying is that uh, they're the ones who will uh, t destroy their, their establishment. They'll, they'll basically say, they're basically saying we'll destroy, they're not saying it in these words, we'll destroy your business. We're going to come in here and uh, set fire to the place or whatever, just tear it apart unless you pay us, unless you pay us for protection. So here's the tweet uh, from Javad Zarif. Quote, a sincere message to our neighbors, Trump's gone in 70 days, but will remain here forever. Betting on outsiders to provide security is never a good gamble. We extend our hand to our neighbors for dialogue to resolve differences. Only together can we build a better future for all. All right. Meanwhile, President Trump put out a tweet. He says that the here's an election update. He says that the these Dominion machines, these these ballot counting machines, Dominion, which apparently were biased against Trump and in favor of Joe Biden, even even the voter counting machines are biased against Trump. So Trump says that they deleted 
millions of Trump votes. This is what Trump's saying is that the Dominion machines, now obviously we need some evidence in order for this to help in court, but uh, help overturn the election. But Trump says the Dominion machines deleted millions of Trump votes. He said this on Wednesday in a very compelling tweet. And as a listener pointed out, you know, a lot of people are just kind of laughing at Trump, laughing this off, mocking him. Oh, yeah, he says that that the machines are biased against him. Now, let's remember, number one, there was that glitch in Michigan where one of these machines actually called the county for Biden when it really went for Trump. So as we see, the machine actually did help, but did actually cheat for Biden, if you will. And furthermore, as, as the listener pointed out, you know, anytime they dismiss Trump, Trump puts out a tweet, no, no evidence, uh, you know, there Trump goes again, making up, making things up, you know, trying to say the Democrats are terrible. They spied on his campaign. They spied on him. They spied on his people, Carter Page, others, other members of Trump of the Trump campaign. They entrapped Michael Flynn, right? And when Trump put out that tweet saying that he was wiretapped, I, I was, many of us, including Republicans, including myself, I confess, many of us thought that he was just totally off the wall. What, what's he talking about? Suggesting that the Obama FBI wiretapped him. Little did we know that was the tip of the iceberg. Little did we know that wiretap, that was like one tiny fraction of all the horrific things that they did to sabotage Trump. So I, I give him, doesn't mean that I'm saying this is a guaranteed thing. But I, these claims, when he makes these claims, I cer he certainly deserves the benefit of the doubt. On Wednesday, he put out a tweet saying, in all caps, quote, Report, Dominion deleted 2.7 million Trump votes nationwide. Data analysis finds 221,000 Pennsylvania votes switched from uh, President Trump to Biden. 141,000 Trump votes deleted. States using Dominion voting systems switched 435,000 votes from Trump to Biden. Now, that would be enough if those numbers were correct to overturn the election, you'd have to think would disqualify enough votes that, uh, you know, Trump is so close in these so many of these states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Arizona and Georgia. By the way, in Georgia, they are uh, going to they are demanding and it seems like they are going to hold a recount, a hand recount. So that's huge. We'll get to that in a moment. But Alan Dershowitz says that President Trump, he will win a major lawsuit involving Pennsylvania. Dershowitz predicts that the Supreme Court will take up. This. Now, there were there have been many lawsuits. Some of them have been tossed out, although they can be appealed. But there's a major lawsuit happening in Pennsylvania. Dershowitz says that Trump, the Trump campaign is correct about this. And that is about and the question is going to be if there is enough votes in this one lawsuit to change the outcome of the election in Pennsylvania. But Dershowitz says he's going to win. Dershowitz told Breitbart News in a, in a radio interview uh, this is the lawsuit where it challenges ballots that were filed um, that were that were received after Election Day. And essentially it, it involved I believe this is the lawsuit that involved people using signature verification after Election Day. And uh, what happened was the secretary of state, the, the, the Pennsylvania legislature, they're the ones who have to make decisions about you know, all the election rules, but there was actually a court. There was actually a court in Pennsylvania. The legislature never decided that uh, the signature verification could be done after Election Day. Until then, it was always either on Election Day. If you verified the signature on Election Day, it was verified. If not, then the, the ballot, if it wasn't signature verified by the end of Election Day, then the ballot was disqualified. It didn't count. And then a judge actually extended it and said you could do signature verification 
after Election Day, but that's not legal because it has to be done. Dershowitz agrees to this. It has to be done by the legislature. It's not allowed to be done by the um, by, by, by the by the courts, by the Pennsylvania courts. So uh, I believe it's, there, there, there are a couple of different um, cha- lawsuits. So I'll have to get back to you on this in Pennsylvania. You know, one of them involves allowing uh, ballots that arrived after Election Day or postmarked by Election Day. And... Um, one of them, maybe that, maybe that's the one that Dershowitz is talking about. The other one, uh, as I said, one of the other ones uh, involved the signature verification. But uh, either way, any decision that had been made by judges and not um, by the legislature, Dershowitz says that's going to be overturned. That decision uh, by the Supreme Court which would be in the favor of Trump. The question is, how many ballots will that impact? And Dershowitz says, even if it was correct, even if the court views what the Pennsylvania court had done as the correct decision morally or ethically, it doesn't matter because the law says that it has to be a decision made by the legislature. So it doesn't matter if you think that the decision makes sense to allow ballots that arrived afterwards or allow signature verification afterward. If it wasn't decided by the legislature, then the decision should be tossed out. In Georgia, there's going to be a full hand recount that has been ordered. Um, Now, remember, Biden in Georgia barely won. Biden in Georgia won by a few thousand votes. And, uh, you know, there have been suspicious reports out of Georgia, just like many other places, just like Michigan, just like Pennsylvania. So a full hand recount. Now, again, flipping Georgia back to Trump or to Trump would not be enough, obviously, but it is very necessary. There is this mystery story. There's a story about a burst pipe. There's a story about uh, one location, I believe some sort of stadium uh, or arena where they were counting ballots. And then there's a story where there was a report of a burst pipe. And they basically told everybody this, at least as I understand the report, they told everybody you have to go home, including the Republican observers, the Republican uh, Trump campaign observers who are observing the the count, uh, they said, no, go home. We're not going to count. We're suspending the count because of a burst pipe. And then lo and behold, again, according to reports, I don't know if these, this has been confirmed, but the Trump campaign observers, the counting observers, they went home. And then the count continued and the Democrat observers, the Biden people were there and the count continued, but it continued mysteriously without the Trump campaign because they were told to go home because of a burst pipe. And now they're saying that no, there was no real burst pipe. It was just some kind of slow leak and it got taken care of a little bit while, a little while later. So again, the Trump people are saying that uh, essentially they were told to go home and then the count continued without them. And the whole thing was really just a ploy, just a tactic, just, just an, another way to cheat by um, sending home the Republicans. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. In Michigan, Republicans are asking for a full audit of ballots there before a winner is declared. A winner may be declared in some of these states, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and others in the next few days. Republican Michigan state senators are asking Jocelyn Benson, the secretary of state of Michigan, who I'm sure is a Democrat, as as is Gretchen Whitmer, the um, governor of, of Michigan. They're asking her to issue a full audit of the votes before the state of Michigan certifies those results. So we're going to keep an eye on that. Uh, there was a million MAGA march. There was a big march in Washington. I don't know what the numbers are. I doubt it was actually a million um, Trump supporters, but but it was there was a massive, massive crowd in Washington, D.C., a MAGA march in support of the president. And actually, at one point, President Trump excited the crowd. The crowd was thrilled because Trump himself, I guess he was on his way out of town, and his motorcade, he told them to make a detour and actually drive through this march and actually greet Trump supporters. They actually 
turn around and they basically see him in a limo as as the motorcade actually swung by this million MAGA march and Trump gave a thumbs up and the crowd just went wild. And it just re- reaffirms the fact and underscores the fact that this man is such a celebrity. I mean, it tra- it almost transcends politics. Just they, they just view him as just this hero, as somebody who they revere, you know, the Trump base, the Trump supporters. Meanwhile, Trump supporters at this march were attacked, were attacked by Antifa and BLM. I mean, BLM and Antifa, they attacked marchers. Here they are marching in support of President Trump, and suddenly Antifa and BLM uh, protesters actually came and attacked them. And by the way, they attacked women and children, families, and the elderly. Here they are walking down the streets of Washington, D.C., not threatening threatening anybody except their very existence, right? Because they're a threat, because they support this evil, racist Trump, right? So by definition, it's like self-defense. I mean, that's how that's how some of these wacky radicals actually view this. But I'm not talking about Antifa. Antifa and BLM, they are just pure evil. They are vicious, evil monsters. There's no other way to put it. And they accosted women, children, families, and the elderly walking down the streets supporting Trump during this million MAGA march. And protesters actually threw fireworks at project and projectiles at restaurant goers who were dining outside and they flashed laser lights into hotel rooms. I mean, these are really very twisted, very demented, sick people. These Antifa and Black Lives Matter uh, members and protesters, they're, they're like they're, they're basically terrorists. I mean, Antifa, I believe, has been has been classified legally terrorists, although I'm sure Biden's going to undo that as well. And then, then they're going to wake him up and told him and tell him that and he's going to issue an executive order. Uh, saying that Antifa no longer classified as terrorists, and then uh, they're going to wake him up and say, "Mr. President Biden, uh, you, guess what you just did?" And he'll say, "Well, well, what, what are you talking about?" Uh, all right. So Andrew McCabe testified in the Senate. It is so frustrating. It is so bogus. Andrew McCabe has a criminal referral out on him. He's been referred for indictment like two years ago. He was fired by Jeff Sessions, one of the very few things that Jeff Sessions actually did that was praiseworthy, that really he did right. And, uh, you know, Andrew McCabe, he actually lied to investigators. It nothing to do with Trump. It, it involved the Hillary investigation and Andrew McCabe. Ted Cruz, by the way, grilled McCabe, as Ted Cruz always does in these hearings. But it just doesn't get any media attention, of course, But because Andrew McCabe, not only did he lie, but he actually was contradicted by James Comey. Uh, Andrew McCabe lied to investigators about the Hillary investigation, which McCabe, of course, was in charge of, even though he had a massive conflict of interest because his wife got lots and lots of money in, in, in a campaign that she was involved in, in, I believe, Virginia, um, by uh, was given that money by Hillary Clinton. And McCabe was the one investigating the Hillary servers, and then McCabe leaked information to the media, then he lied about it, then he claimed that James Comey gave him the okay to leak information to the media, and that was a lie because James Comey did not, and James Comey himself contradicted uh, that claim by Andrew McCabe, so Ted Cruz grilled McCabe about this, and McCabe, that was a crime, McCabe uh, leaking leaking things to the media might have been a crime, but then lying to investigators about it was clearly a federal crime, but uh, and that's exactly the crime that Flynn was guilty of. Flynn, of course, is is in court trying to avoid jail time. McCabe was 
one of the agents, along with Peter Strzok, who actually questioned Flynn and uh, basically lured him into lying, assuming that Michael Flynn did even lie, which we're not even sure because it's it's it's, it's Strzok and McCabe's word against Flynn because there's no recording. McCabe came out saying he didn't lie, then he changed his mind about Flynn. I mean, so the whole thing, it's just, it just I mean, it is just so corrupt and so dirty from day one. Anyway, so Andrew McCabe, it's so frustrating because he's never going to see justice clearly. How how has John Durham not come out, you know, with some kind of indictment? How is A.G. Barr not enforcing the indictment against McCabe? Why can't we have answers? McCabe, the criminal referral did not come from Trump. It did not come from A.G. Barr. It did not come from somebody who they're going to claim is some radical right wing you know, lunatic. It came from the IG, IG Michael Horowitz. IG Michael Horowitz is very reluctant to issue any criminal referrals in either direction. He certainly, nobody accuses Michael Horowitz of being biased in either direction. If anything, I think he's too soft on Obama's DOJ and, uh, you know, not, not, doesn't come down hard enough against them. And he, he actually referred McCabe for criminal indictment. Why has there been no explanation? Why is Trump not demanding that A.G. Barr indict McCabe? What is, like, like what, what is the deal with that? Anyway, so McCabe, of course, testified before the Senate. He, te- he defended the Russia probe, the indefensible Russia probe. And he did admit that the, the FISA warrants, that the way they treated Carter Page was reprehensible and that uh, people should be held accountable. But he said that everybody has been held accountable who should be held accountable uh, with those FISA warrants, the bogus FISA warrants, where they literally spy, they literally faked evidence, they lied, they doctored emails. I mean, you name it, uh, to spy on an American, and not just any American, but an American member of the campaign of a man who would go on to become the president, who was a political enemy of Obama, who they were working for. I mean, this is just, it's, it's really Watergate on steroids. Anyway, but he defended the Russia probe, and he said that they really believed that Trump was a threat to the country. Trump was a threat to the country. And he said one of the reasons they thought that is because tr- the way Trump treated the DOJ, because Trump fired Comey. As though, like, somehow, I mean, Trump fired Comey. That was months and months. That was way after they saw, they, they were spying on Carter Page for months. They tried to plant uh, uh, an FBI informant in the Trump campaign. I mean, there were so many things they had been doing against Trump for months and months. Then he said, well, tr- we thought Trump was a threat because, look, he fired the, the head of the FBI, fired Comey. Well, he fired Comey. What was that, in April? He had already been president for months at that point. So that has nothing to do with it. Uh, and, and, and that was after Comey spied on Trump. So that doesn't tell you that Trump is, is a threat to the U.S. That tells you Comey is a threat to the U.S. McCabe was a threat to the U.S. And they never believed for a moment that he was, um, that Trump was a threat to the U.S. They, they, they literally were the ones who framed him to make it look as though he were a threat to the U.S. By the way, Lindsey Graham grilled Andrew McCabe on why he did not investigate. The FBI did not investigate the claim. There was a, a very reliable a piece of information, intel, suggesting that Hillary Clinton was behind the Steele dossier, that she was the reason, that she was trying to distract the country from the email server scandal. So she actually created this entire mirage, you know, this entire fake story, this fabrication about Trump somehow working with the Russians, being compromised by the Russians. There is intel to suggest that that was uh, literally invented by the Hillary campaign. I would not doubt that for a moment. I'm not saying I know for sure it's true, but like it makes so much sense. Come on. But the real egregious part is that that was never followed up on. They had intel. So you want to tell me, well, that intel, we don't know. You know just because there's intel doesn't mean that Hillary's guilty. Yeah, but the FBI never followed up. You know, any little tiny thing that came out about uh, you know, Michael Flynn speaks with Sergey Kislyak. Like, oh, let's, uh, let's investigate Trump 
for colluding with Russia. You know, Jared Kushner opened the back channel of communication with the Russians. Yeah, because his father, father-in-law was president-elect, and you always have to have a transition. You always have to have contact, uh, you know, with foreign with foreign leaders, just like Biden is doing right now. Is Biden colluding with all these countries? But, it, but it's like here they actually had intel about Hillary uh, being behind the Steele dossier, and yet that was never followed up on, never investigated. The hypocrisy, the double standard. I mean, it's so outrageous. Nikki Haley blasted Twitter. Nikki Haley on Friday blasted Twitter because they now are flagging her tweets, of course, but she's because she's a conservative, and that's what that's what Twitter does. They blast, they uh, flag and censor uh, tweets of conservatives, but not of the Ayatollah. And and that's literally what Nikki Haley said. She blasted Twitter for flagging one of her tweets and essentially censoring one of her tweets, and yet uh, the Ayatollah's tweets. This is exactly the point she made. We say it all the time. All the time, the Ayatollah's tweets, Twitter doesn't flag and Twitter does not censor. Here's a quote from Hill from uh, Nikki Haley, not Hillary. <laughs> Nikki Haley's tweet on Friday: "Quote, wow, when I when Iran's Ayatollah says the Holocaust did not happen, Twitter does not say this claim is disputed. When I say ballot harvesting makes election fraud easier, Twitter says that is disputed. Wonder why conservatives don't trust big tech." End quote. And then Haley posted side by side pictures of a tweet of hers that was flagged by Twitter and a tweet by the Ayatollah from several weeks ago that Twitter left untouched. I mean, it is so, you know, even the fact that we have to talk about it, the frustration, I cannot describe to you. I mean, it's like it's the Iran, the, Iran, the Iranian Ayatollah, the Holocaust denier, the pro-genocide evil monster, the, 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 the biggest terrorist sponsor on the planet right now and a threat to humanity, an existential threat to humanity, this Ayatollah. And Twitter leaves him alone. They defend the fact that they're leaving him alone. Nikki Haley, Trump's tweets, and uh, you know all these lawyers, these conservative lawyers, conservative politicians, they get flagged by Twitter. They get censored. All these messages about how those tweets are disputed and are fraudulent. I, I, I mean, we, we, what we are witnessing right now, it is, it is so dangerous. It's so heinous. Twitter is an evil, evil company. They're, they're, they are literally... I mean, you can equate them with the Ayatollah because uh, of the way they treat conservatives versus the way they literally just give this freedom, this channel to the Ayatollah to spew all of his propaganda. They're a propaganda machine for the liberals, the socialists, and the Ayatollah. So um, here's what Haley's tweet said. It said that ballot harvesting and mail-in voting makes it easier to commit voter fraud. Now, there's a radical state. There's a controversial statement. So Twitter placed a warning label on her tweet saying that her claim about voter fraud is disputed. Haley's tweet said, quote, Despite what the media tells us, election fraud does happen. Policies like ballot harvesting and mailing ballots to people who do not request them makes it easier. That needs to stop. Now, that's really controversial. Good for Twitter for flagging her tweet, for warning people that it is disputed. And uh, she compared her tweet to the tweet on October 28th by Khomeini. And by the way, Ayatollah Khomeini has put out far worse tweets than this one. But um, essentially, Khomeini's tweet on October 28th said that essentially there's nothing wrong with Holocaust denial. I mean, so the fact that we're having this conversation, I mean, it, it, it that itself is truly reprehensible by Twitter. I mean, I, I, Twitter should almost be shut down. I mean, they, they literally are a danger and a threat to humanity. That's going to do it uh, for today, and we will see you next time.